everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the exclusive podcast for members of Teamsters Local 1150, the union that represents workers at Sikorsky Aircraft. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. So back in March of this year in Bessemer, Alabama, the retail wholesale and department store union tried to organize the Amazon warehouse down there. By a vote of 1,798 against the union and 738 in favor of the union, that vote failed. Yes. Um, why? I think a lot of intimidation tactics were used by the company to make sure the workers didn't vote in favor of the union. Things like putting up uh, posters in the stalls in the bathroom, uh, just having people threaten with losing their job text messages text messages the company actually got everybody's phone number and text messaged them to vote against the union they used company records to get cell phone numbers and text messaged everybody they do what every company does which is have these captive audience meetings right which are meetings that happen while you're on the clock as an employee you're you're required to be at these meetings, and management just badmouths the union. Yes. They tell you why, the, why you should vote no, why the union's bad for you, um, which it isn't, but they're going to tell you it is, right? They're going to tell you that you're going to pay hundreds of dollars in dues, and there's no guarantees of anything. You might not even get paid more money. You might not get better benefits. Um, the, the union's just there to take your money. We want to pay you. We want to. We want to give you money, and the union wants to take it away. So that's the message in these meetings, and they do all kinds of other stuff as well, right? It's worth keeping in mind if you remember the cost of their union dues for Alabama. I think was somewhere around four to five hundred bucks for the year. So, you know, they're talking about how you're not going to be able to take vacation or you know buy your kids back to school clothes, and we're not talking about that kind of money. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and by the way, that's Jason Shoemaker, who's here with us. That's really true. So the, and the company used that figure as, as a way to deter people from voting for the union. Right? They said, you're going to have to pay $500 in dues. Those people had no idea um, what period of time that was over. Was it monthly? Was it yearly? And, and that was not necessarily even determined yet, which, in fact, it wasn't. Most unions, I don't know about the, the RWD, right, but most unions won't even determine that until you have a first contract. Nobody's going to pay dues until you get a first contract, until you ratify a contract. So, um, you know, th- this assertion from the company that, oh, you're going to pay hundreds of dollars in dues and you're not going to get anything for it. And in the grand scheme of things, four or $500 in a year for dues is well worth it. Yeah. Yeah, but their literature didn't talk about, hey, these are, you know, this is what the, the dollar amount is going to be. It listed it in terms of the life costs that, you know, people go through to say, you know, these are the things in your life you're not going to be able to do yeah. because you chose a union. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Absolutely. Um, listen. Bottom line is, if you look at the real statistics, right, that are that are disseminated by the government in terms of union versus non-union, union workers in this country make more money than non-union yes, workers they do. to the tune of about 
200 bucks a week on average. So like you said, Jason, that couldn't be further from the truth, right? The becoming a union worker, joining a union, organizing your workplace by and large is going to make you better off than you were. Yes, absolutely. So why is this important, right? Why was this event important? Because it failed, right? And, and I think it was important because it kicked off this, this whole attitude within the labor movement. It started the conversation all over again yes, yes, or yeah. ramped up the conversation yes, anyway about organizing Amazon. It, it made everybody sit up and pay attention and say, hey, we need to organize Amazon on a national level. Yes. Right. So now everybody's talking about it. I think personally, I think that the retail, wholesale and department store union is not the right union to do this. I agree. The common thought within the labor movement is that it's the Teamsters. Yes. That should be doing this because Amazon is a logistics company. Yes. Right. And logistics is really what the Teamsters do. We're a truckers union. Um, yeah, we we represent workers in just about every industry that you can name. But we're a truckers union. At our core, we're a truckers union. It's where we started. It's what we do best. Um, so I think we're the union to do it. And, and our union recognized that at the convention this year, right? The international yes. convention this year. At the 30th, Teamsters 30th convention, we passed a resolution to allocate money and resources just for organizing Amazon facilities, warehouses, workers. Nationwide. Nationwide. And uh, our union is 1.4 million members strong. And I, I think that, that says a lot. And we would like to bring more members from Amazon on into, into the fold and make sure that they're getting what they deserve in their workplace as t uh, Teamsters know that we, we really do well. So it's a good point to talk from that perspective. The naysayers out there, the folks who are saying, you know, unions are no good. And listen, I'm not that union guy who says, hey, every union is great because yeah. every union's not great. It's true. Right? Um, you know, on the local level, there are lousy unions. There are great unions and there are lousy unions. I think those of us who are members of Teamsters Local 1150 know what it's like to be in a good union. Yes. I'm really proud of this union. I think I think this union stands above all of them, right? We're just, we're really lucky to be members of this union. Yes, we are. But so the folks who are just the naysayers about unions in general, um, you know, they, they latch on to that. So unions don't do what they do just to collect dues money, right? It's not a profitable business. Why would somebody do that, right? Why would somebody start a union in order to make money? There's so many other businesses that you can start as, as an entrepreneur and, and make a lot better money. Yeah. Unions are in this to represent people, Yes. right? Our goal is to make no money doing it and, and make sure that our members are, are getting the life that they deserve. Yes. 
the wages, the hours, the working conditions, right? That's what we fight for. We fight for workers everywhere to be better off today than they were yesterday. Yes, we do. So it's a really good point to, to talk about Amazon from that perspective and organizing Amazon from that perspective. We want, we want more members in our union because we think we do it best and we think that more workers will benefit. The Teamsters see workers as workers, and, and, and we think that workers deserve to be treated with the utmost dignity and respect. And yes, we do. That's where we, that's the, the position that we work from. So that's what it's about, right? It's about giving Amazon workers what they deserve. This is a tough task because Amazon, the things that Amazon brags about are true. Starting pay is 15 bucks an hour at yeah. Amazon. That's pretty good. It's way better than Walmart. This is true. They give you a benefits package. There are growth opportunities. Um, I, I, I just had a conversation last night with my son about his friend. He has a friend who works at Amazon. He's a warehouse worker in Amazon. And he actually was talking about union organizing. And I swear this is true. My son asked him, hey, Hunter, would you vote for a union if there was an organizing campaign at your warehouse? And he didn't even hesitate, said no. I wouldn't vote in favor of the union. Why? Why wouldn't he do that? Well, I mean, ignorance, right, is, is one thing. Yes. But he's currently in a training program getting his CDL. He makes like $22 an hour. But he's always talking about how he hates his job. And he hates his job because they work him too hard. And that's what we need to focus on at Amazon. It's not the pay. It's not the benefits. They could be better, and they should be better. I, I, I think they can be a lot better. and So do I. They should be paying their workers a living wage. And this day and age, $15 is not a living wage, especially when Jeff Bezos has dumpsters full of money to throw at his projects that he wants to do and, you know, fly into space for like two seconds. Yeah. And that's money that he could be investing in his workforce. I couldn't agree more. But – the fact remains that there are a lot of workers out there or potential workers out there who think that 15 bucks an hour is pretty good. Yeah, there are. So, there are. so they're competing, yes. right? And our ability to organize that company based on the rate of pay or the benefits package, we're just not going to do it, right? Yeah. It's the working conditions that is going to get us there, yeah. right? Is to talk to workers about the fact that we can make it better. Yes. We can make it a better place to work. Um, you know, the the nightmare stories that come out of Amazon. Just just in Bessemer alone, right? So I, I, I did some homework on this, on the Bessemer organizing campaign. These folks went to the union. The union didn't go to them and say, hey, you should organize. They went to the union. Workers at this warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, went to the union and said, the working conditions in here are horrible and we need help. And, and some of the stories about 
what was happening inside there are crazy. The one that kills me is the fact that workers were pushed so hard to keep up with their rate, right? Amazon has this whole thing about rate, and we'll talk about that. But the rate is the number of packages or pieces of product that you can push through that warehouse in a single hour or a single shift. And the rates were so high, and the workers were 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 pushed to keep on rate so hard that these folks were bringing plastic bottles to work and urinating in the plastic bottles yeah. so that they didn't have to go to the bathroom and ruin their rate. Yeah. And, and that's just one thing that happened there, right? And this is going on while Amazon's profits in the past year, if you look at their profits between March of 2020 and March of 2021, their profit for that time period one year exceeded the three years prior. So that just shows you how much money they're bringing in since the pandemic. And I think, uh, yeah, COVID had a lot to do with that. And another thing that we should talk about is how in the Amazon facilities, COVID ran rampant. Yes, but they don't care because yeah. that's turnover again. Yes. And they don't care about turnover, right? In fact, they embrace turnover. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that'll change. And Jason, you you mentioned that earlier before we even started um started this this episode of the podcast that you know amazon almost embraces turnover yes yes yeah, so new york times actually looked into it and their data showed that their turnover rate is about 150 percent per year so uh, amazon executives are actually concerned that there aren't enough people in the workforce in the united states to keep replenishing with the turnover rate they have wow. and that's mind-blowing so that's good for us right that finally they're 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 ignoring turnover um that might work to our advantage yes. if they're running out of workers then they're going to have to shift and find a way to keep workers yes and that works to our advantage right that that helps us get in there and say hey here's the way to to treat workers right so that they'll want to stay in and most companies think that way in the short term i think it presents a challenge in that trying to organize a workforce that turns over so quickly, you know, even if they were to, to have a revote down a new election down in Bessemer, all the money you've spent to try and go after these people to educate them. A lot of them have now left the company and they don't have a plan to come back. Yes. So that's a lot of lost effort. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the biggest challenges yeah. in organizing Amazon is that constant turnover. If, um, you know, you're you're talking to this group of workers one day and a week later, that group is a different group of people. It makes it really difficult, makes it really difficult because in an organizing campaign, there's a lot of work involved. You're talking not just with workers, but you're talking with their families. Yes. Um, you know, so you're you're really it's a hard sell sometimes because not only are some workers reluctant or are listening to the companies. um um, campaign against the union, but they're they're scared, yeah. right? They're afraid to to join a union. They're afraid to talk about a union at work, especially at a place like Amazon, because Amazon has such an anti-union culture. Yeah, they actually spent over ten thousand dollars a day on anti-union firms to combat That's the crazy. the pro-union message in their plant. Amazon does. Uh, they did down in Bessemer. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's nuts, right? So it's crazy that you know 
they're willing to spend that much money just to fight getting a union. Because at a place like Amazon, it's not about money. It's nope. about control, nope. right? Again, our campaign focuses on working conditions. So it's not about the money for Amazon. They have money to spend. They could give their workers more money. They choose not yeah. to, but they could. It's not about the money for them. It's about the control. They want to control their workforce. I mean, they could use that money to invest in all their workers instead of investing in these firms. Yep, but they choose not to. Um, you know, they want to they wanna control their workers. They want to make sure um, that their workers don't have a voice. But they pretend that their workers have a voice. Yes, they do. Um, one of the other things I read about all the time, so, so Amazon hires all these firms to combat union organizing, yeah. right? They, they want to be able to identify possible employees who would be sympathetic to a union, and they want to get rid of them. Yes. So they, they preach this open and direct dialogue, and, and that's the term they use. We have an open and direct dialogue, which means, hey, you as a worker can walk into your manager's office anytime you want, and you can voice your concerns. And, and we're going to listen, and we're going to do everything we can to fix your, your issue. Which isn't necessarily true. It's not true at all. It, because what that does, that conversation puts a mark on you. Yes. Right? As a worker. So you go in, and you think you're having a conversation with your supervisor or your manager to fix a problem, but really what your manager's doing is marking you as possible subversive yeah. Yeah. and um, and you're on a track to lose your job. Yeah. So it basically just puts a big target on your back for when things start to happen, especially anything to do with the union. Yep, absolutely. They made it about if you vote in the union, you won't have the ability to have that direct communication, and that couldn't oh, be further right. from the truth. Yeah, right. Yeah, there. So they turned it all around, and they said, "You're going to lose your voice yeah. Yeah. if and you have a union. We're going to lose our efficiency and our ability to communicate directly with you." And that couldn't be yeah. further from. And they the try truth. to say that this third party is going to get in the way, right, of yeah. the conversation between the workers and the company. When in fact, every one of the staples of a union contract that every union contract across the country has is a grievance procedure. Yes. It, it's, this, it's one of the mandatory components of a union contract. Yeah. So, but, but folks don't know that, yeah. right? The, the workers at Amazon don't know that. We know that as unionists, and we need to make that part of our campaigns when we talk to these workers. That, that no, the company's wrong. You're not losing that ability to have a voice in the workplace. In fact, your voice is going to be louder. Yes. So that's really important to know for these folks. They also make it sound like, you know, this third party is going to come in and dictate the way things are done and take a piece of your paycheck and a piece of the pie. Yeah. But that's not the case. The no. union is formed by the people who yes. vote for it. Right. Yes. And the members who are working at that company. The union right. is the people. Right. And, and, and I'm sure that that kind of, of rhetoric is happening. Yeah. Um, when when the campaigns are going on, but again, the, the the company spends a lot of money and a lot of time saying the opposite, right? And quite frankly, these workers are sometimes more inclined to believe the company because the 
the company is is the entity that that they're comfortable with yeah. right it's their employer yeah. a lot of people believe that their employer is is you know going to do the right thing for them especially when they're always preaching that that's the case yeah. hey come on in have a conversation with your boss um so it, it's it's a tough egg to crack right but that's one of the things that on that website that I read about, again, I wasn't able to see the website, but I read that one of the things that they harped on was um, asking workers to call the NLRB and rescind their vote, ask them for their ballot back when they voted in favor of the union. And, and the term they used was get your voice back. Right. That's what they told oh, workers. That's to do. misleading. Yes. Get your voice back. Rescind your yeah. yes vote. Right. Which, again, is crazy and couldn't be further I mean, from the truth. Anybody that's been in a union knows that when you have a union, you have a larger voice on the shop floor. And this company just uses their tactics to confuse the workers trying to unionize. Yep. So let's be honest about Amazon. Amazon preaches this open and direct dialogue where you can talk to your, your manager about all of your problems. You don't even work for a manager yes. at Amazon. The truth of the matter is that you work for a computer. Uh, and that's one of the toughest things at Amazon. And one of the things that seasoned workers there come to realize, and it's one of the biggest complaints. So everybody in an Amazon warehouse has a scanner gun. Yes. And that's how they do their work, right? You create a label and you scan it. You put it on a box and you scan it. You pack a box and you scan it. So everything you do all day long is tracked through that scanner. And it's tracked very closely. So that information, that data goes into a computer and you're actually managed by a computer. Amazon has created these really sophisticated algorithms that compare you to other employees, and it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, right? It just matters that you stay on rate. So, so talking about rate, at the Bessemer facility, the rates were 700 items in a 10-hour shift, okay? Their typical shift was 10 hours, 700 items in a 10-hour shift. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are going to process 700 items in your 10-hour shift. That's crazy. Doesn't matter if you have to go to the bathroom. Doesn't matter if you don't feel well. Doesn't matter if, you're, uh, if you use a wheelchair. It doesn't, none of that matters. You just, you do 700 items a day. And, and employees talk about it all the time. I want to read a quote from an employee down in Bessemer. Um, she said, rate was constant. Rate was on you all day. If you went to the bathroom, that lowered your rate. If your boss came by to see how you were doing, that distraction lowered your rate. If you ran out of bags and had to go get new ones yourself, that lowered your rate. If you cut yourself on a box cutter or pinched a finger in the conveyor belt next to you and had to go to the on-site medical office, well, you were still on rate and that lapse in work lowered your rate. If your boss pulled you aside to talk to you about your low rate, you're still on rate during that talking to, so that further lowered your rate. It's an obsession with this company. And the computer would actually dole out 
discipline the people based on that rate. And if you, if you fall below it, it would just, it would trigger a disciplinary action. Yeah. You're being disciplined by a computer algorithm. A lot of people have actually been terminated and it was actually a computer error and yep. they had no recourse to get back in. And Amazon doesn't mind because they build in the turnover. Yeah. So they're okay with you being unlawfully terminated. See, with a union, we have progressive discipline, and it has to be for just cause. It can't just be, oh, oh, the company made a mistake. At least with a union, you have some recourse on that. Some of the other things that Amazon does across the board, I'm not just talking about in Bessemer, uh, mandatory overtime, especially during the holiday season, they work mandatory overtime, and you're disciplined if you're late or if you miss your overtime. Um they do not allow vacations between October and December. No one who works at Amazon is allowed to take a vacation between October and December. That's crazy. Um, you know, of course, th th then you get into the complaints. We're treated as a liability rather than an asset to the company. Um, one of the things that workers during COVID complained about, because the company was packed during COVID and still is, yeah. um, their, their employment numbers went skyrocketing during COVID. It's really one of the only businesses in America that prospered during COVID because everybody was ordering stuff online. They were forced to take breaks all at the same time because the managers of these warehouses don't want staggered breaks because that slows things down. They would rather have you take your 15-minute break all at the same time so everything stops only for 15 minutes. If, if they stagger the breaks, it just slows things down throughout the entire shift. So let's work balls to the wall for everything but 15 minutes. Um, so they were they were forced to take breaks all at the same time in these jam-packed warehouses during COVID. They're, they're jammed into break rooms that were so crowded that COVID spread throughout. Yeah. And the workers who couldn't get into the break room were sitting on the floor leaning up against machines and conveyor belts or sitting on boxes um, and, and taking a break like that sitting on a floor. And this is not how human beings should be treated. Amazon obviously treats its workers like they're machines. Yep. And and they don't care that it's difficult, right? Yes. Um, you hear the stories of, um, I, I read one story about a woman who was disciplined because she was going through breast cancer treatments and it, it lowered her rate and she was getting disciplined for it. They didn't care that she had breast cancer. They just cared that her, late, or her rate was low. Um, employees, the average Amazon worker walks the equivalent of 15 miles in one shift. That's crazy. That is crazy. Time off task. That's, that's the big thing, right? That has to do with the rate. Um, they're constantly talked to about time off task. Amazon allows 18 minutes in a 12 hour shift to be off task. 18 minutes. That includes break times, bathroom breaks, if you got to drink water, um, go get bags, yeah. whatever it is. If you're not scanning with your scanner gun, you can only do that for 18 minutes in a 12-hour shift. That's crazy. And that's while CDC wants you to wash your hands for 30 seconds at a clip. Yeah. Right. So there goes that. So let's go back to talking about why the Teamsters are the union that should be doing this, right? We started to touch on it. 
that you know the Teamsters we do logistics right we've organized um, what at the time was the largest logistics company in the country um, actually in North America which is UPS um, so so let's talk about why we should be the union um, to organize Amazon um, here's the Teamsters statement about the resolution the Teamster said the resolution sets forth a unified approach to mobilizing the union and engaging Teamster members. It resolves to maintain standards in Teamster, excuse me, Teamster core industries against the threat posed by Amazon and support Amazon workers as they build power across the country. The resolution also approved the creation of a division structure within the international union for the Amazon project and to fully fund and supply necessary resources to support its goals. So the interesting thing for me is this is not just a resolution that says, hey, we're going to go organize Amazon, yeah. right? Yeah. This is a resolution that says, hey, as Teamsters, we're going to protect our core industries. And that's really important because you know, when we talk about Amazon and we talk about Walmart and companies like that, their goal is to take over the world, right? Their yes. goal is world domination. Yes. And I'm not, you know, this is not comic book stuff. Their goal is world domination. They yes. want to completely dominate what they do. Um, so as Teamsters, we need to look at the industries that we are already in, like logistics, and we need to protect those. Right. So we need to do the things necessary to protect those industries from Amazon's attack. And these companies attack the little guy all the time. Yes, they do. Um, you know, I, I know that that. Just a year ago was probably the first time I ever saw an Amazon trucker. And now it's all I see everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Right. So. They're doing it, and they're doing it fast. Um, I talk about, I tell people all the time the story about, uh, and, and I know we're not talking about Walmart, but Walmart and Amazon kind of go hand in hand in terms of this world domination thing. They want to put everybody out of business, right, so that they're the only place yeah, to go to. The only game in town. Right. They want to be the only game in town. The idea is if you have nowhere else to go, you're going to come here for everything. Exactly. So, um, and, and the idea is to lure people in. So the story I love to tell is the story about the Walmart store that started serving soft serve ice cream because, only because, there was a soft serve ice cream place across the street. They wanted to put that place out of business so that anyone who drove down that street was going to go to Walmart. And this is the attitude that these companies have. It's not just Walmart. It's not just Amazon. Um, they they want to control everything. That's their goal. Yes, it is. And and Amazon's right there. And Amazon has control over a lot of things already. And they also want to control their suppliers by dictating the price, like Walmart does. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's a whole other conversation, yeah. right? They they press their suppliers to drive the prices down, drive the prices down, yeah. drive the prices down to where they're barely profitable. Um, we won't get into it, but anybody listening, if you want to read a story about that, 
Google search the story of Walmart and the gallon jar of Vlasic pickles. Just Google that story, read that story, read what Walmart did to Vlasic. The largest pickle producer in North America, Walmart almost put him out of business by driving prices down. So read that story. We won't talk about it here. I think the Teamsters realize that organizing Amazon is going to take a different strategy than it has with other companies. Uh, organizing one facility at a time is not going to work with Amazon because of Am Amazon has so much money in legal resources. It's going to take more shop floor milit militancy and t really taking things to the street. And mil militant trade union tactics are going to be where it's at. And, and let's face it, um, and, and I don't necessarily say this with any sense of pride because I'm not a particularly militant type of guy, but the Teamsters are that union, right? We have that reputation. When you think of tough unions, I don't care who you are, whether you're a unionist or not, when you think of tough unions, maybe the auto workers yeah. and the Teamsters are who you think of. You certainly don't think of the retail, wholesale, and department store union. No. Right? That's not what you you say, oh, yeah, those guys are tough. Those department store type <laughs> no, guys the are tough. The Teamsters are tough. Yeah, the Teamsters are tough. So if you're looking for that militant-style campaign, which I think is necessary yeah. at Amazon— the Teamsters are the union to do it. And I believe we're going to have to use the strike a lot more often to get things done. Without question. Um, we were hoping to have Sean O'Brien, who is the head of uh, Joint Council 10, which is our joint council. We were hoping to have him on the program today, but um, unfortunately he wasn't able to do that. But I've heard Sean talk about that a lot, yeah. right? Um, Sean is a real big advocate of, of the strike, yeah. using the strike, because— that's our weapon, right? As a union, we have one weapon. Yes. And it's the strike. Yeah. So um, it's a scary weapon to use. It's kind of like the nuclear bomb, yeah. right? You, when you use it, you need to use it um, with caution and with respect because it hurts everybody, right? Strikes hurt employers. Strikes hurt workers. But it, it's absolutely necessary to do sometimes. And as, as working people, the only thing we have, and to reiterate what Steve said, it, it is withholding our labor to get things done. Yep, absolutely. You know, when you talk about being militant, a lot of people probably think about the union going after Amazon. I like Amazon. You know, through the pandemic, they brought me everything I needed. This is a company. Yeah. You know, yep. they make it easy for me. But what people don't think about is – the Teamsters don't have a choice but to take on this fight. They're not choosing this fight. This fight is coming straight to them because some estimates have Amazon putting out close to seven and a half billion packages this year. They've their earnings in the past year between March of 2020 and March of 2021, their earnings equaled the previous three years worth of earnings. So they're just dominating this market and they're going to take everybody's yeah. job. Do you if have you a dollar figure on, on that? What what were their profits? Or what were their what was their income last year? I'd have to look that up for you. You know, I it, it's got to be in the double figure billions. Yeah. Right? They're estimated to have 40% of the e-commerce space. Right, 40%. Um, and and they're taking on 
the logistics industry. So yep. that's where the Teamsters don't have a choice in this fight. They're now offering fulfillment by Amazon actually just created a separate business unit called Amazon Multi-Channel Fulfillment. And what they're doing is they're actually packaging and delivering their competitors' packages. So if you're on uh, Shopify or if you're on Etsy or even Walmart, they're willing to deliver your packages. They're willing to handle all the logistics of it. And that uh, unit for them has doubled in capabilities since 2019. Yep. So basically, they're trying to monopolize everything. Yeah. And Walmart doesn't like it, just to point that out. Walmart actually prohibited their sellers from using that service. So Amazon came up with a workaround to steal that business from Walmart as well. Oh, wow. And they'll actually use a third-party <laughs> shipper to disguise it. Yeah. But they do it to each other. Yep. Yeah. Because I was horrified about six months ago when I ordered something on Amazon and a Walmart box showed up on my front doorstep. Now, yeah. I'm I'm a, a you want to talk about militant. I'm a militant um, um, anti-Walmart guy. And and so when there was a Walmart box sitting on my front step, um, I was obviously horrified. So Walmart is selling on Amazon. So they're doing it to each other. Yeah. The other thing that they're benefiting from here, by fulfilling these orders, they're gaining insight into what people are buying worldwide. Yes. It, the, talk about algorithms. So yeah. whether they're getting a piece of the pie because you're listing it and selling it on their site and they're taking you know 25%, or if they're doing your logistics and taking their part, piece of the pie through that, they're finding a way to get it. And even still, they're going to pull some good information that they can use to put you out of business later. Right. So so this is why as consumers and as union members we need to be concerned about it, right? Yes, we do. Because you know if every job is a $15 an hour job, yeah. um we're in trouble, right? Yeah, we that are. drives the economy down. Yes. Uh, a, an Amazon job and a Walmart job are not not good jobs. They can be they have the potential to be. And I think there's something to be said for saying that $15 an hour isn't as good as everyone thinks it is. It's right. really not a living wage in any state in the country. No. So from April 2020 to March 31st, 2021, that one-year period, Amazon collected $26.9 billion in profit while it made $24.7 billion in profit between 2017 and 2019. So, and even that is crazy. So $26 billion in one year in profits. When you consider the fact that Lockheed Martin bought Sikorsky Aircraft yeah. for $7 billion. Yeah. They purchased the entire company for $7 billion. The number one helicopter manufacturer in the world sold for a fraction of what Amazon made in a year. It's insane. It's insane. And and so you turn that around, right? If we're a $7 billion company at Sikorsky Aircraft, we're making between 30 and $50 an hour on average. Yeah. Right? When you consider that they're paying their workers 15 bucks an hour, and, and great, that's a starting wage, right? Yeah. But, but still, um, Again, I go back to my son's friend who has been there for, I think, three years 
which is, you know, he's an old timer yeah. at Amazon, right? He must be at the top of the seniority he, yeah, list. Yeah, he's at the top of the list, right? <laughs> and he's making like 22 bucks an hour. So, you know, if, if, if that's the top at Amazon, we need to do something yes, about it. Yes, we do. But again, essentially, we need to focus on working conditions at Amazon because um, it, it's, it's what they're worst at, right? They don't, they don't care about their workers. So here's a question. Because this conversation started by talking about Bessemer, Alabama. Alabama is one of the fiercest anti-union states in the country. One of the two or three states in the country that are really anti-union. Mississippi, South Carolina. Yep. So how do we convince workers in states like that because Alabama is a right to work state. Yeah. Which means in Alabama, you don't have to pay union dues if you don't want to. Even if you, even if they organize Amazon in Alabama, those workers can choose not to join the union and not pay dues. Yeah. So how do we convince workers in states like that, that it's a good idea? So, that's a weak union. If they win that vote by one vote, so if they split the workforce and you know, 900 people vote for the union and, and 899 vote against the union, you're going to have 899 people that are going to choose not to pay dues. And in fact, you're probably going to have a portion of those people who voted for the union who are going to say, hey, I can benefit from the union and not have to pay and not have to pay. So how do we convince people? And I don't know if we can answer that question here today, but how do we convince people that the right thing to do is to pay dues and make the union strong? I think we need to develop a, a, a culture of sticking together yeah. for the greater good of the workforce. And, and that's really hard to do today. And they, People are selfish today. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, it's been drilled into a lot of our heads, this individual, that, oh, it's about you, it's about you. It's about, but because when you stand together, things can change. Yeah. And had those workers stood together in Bessemer and unionized, I mean, it, it's They'd always— be better a, off today. Yes, it's always an uphill battle. They'd have to get their first contract. Yeah. But when they did, they would see that they would make more money, their conditions would change, they'd have a grievance procedure— and Local 1150 is a great example of that. And what I mean by that is we, we have 100% membership in Alabama, in our That's Alabama fantastic. plan. In a right-to-work state where, where those folks don't have to join the union and don't have to pay. They don't have to pay the agency fee that, that folks that up here. here in Connecticut have to pay. right? So if you're not a member of Local 1150 in Connecticut, you have to pay an agency fee. That agency fee is 82% of the full dues rate. So it's a significant, um, percentage-wise, it's a significant fee. In Alabama, we can't charge that fee because it's a right-to-work state. But we have 100% membership down there. And because of that, because those folks get it and they understand that being a full-fledged, full-dues-paying member is a benefit, the workers at Sikorsky Aircraft in our Alabama plant are some of the highest paid hourly workers in the entire state. Oh, wow. Right? So, so 
they get it. That's awesome. And and if we could get that message to people that listen, it does work. You're gonna get that money back. You know, I I I do new employee orientation for our local, and and one of the questions I ask of every group is if I told you I could make a deal with you where you give me $75 a month and I'll give you 200 bucks a week, would you make that deal? And of course, everybody would make that deal. Of course. Right. And, but, and that's essentially what it is. The dues for new members at, at local 1150 is $75 a month. And on average in the United States, a union worker makes $200 a week more than a non-union worker. So, you know, that's the message that we have to get to people that, you know, stick with it and it's going to work for you. We also should let people know that the important thing about organizing Amazon is bringing back the the, the union density in the United States where now we're only just a hair above 10% across the whole country where in the 70s we were more like, 30% and that just drive that drives wages up even to workers that don't have a union because employers that that aren't unionized they have to stay competitive with union workplaces. It's funny because I was just going to ask that question why is this important to the entire labor movement and that's the, that's the answer that's right. That's the heart of it. And 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 I shouldn't even use the term labor movement. Uh, why is this important to the the workforce in America as a whole and that's the answer right is that the more union workers there are the higher wages become everywhere yes because of competition and I think corporate America knows that and that's why they've waged a war on organized labor for decades now yeah Amazon really does set the benchmark for all workers and they're growing now at such a rapid pace they're catching up with walmart they're the second largest private employer in the country they're going to pass walmart at some point uh right now they have 1.3 million people that work worldwide and 950,000 of those are in the u.s they estimate that one out of every 350 americans works for amazon uh one out of every 153 employed workers in the united states that is so the amount of people impacted by what Amazon offers for compensation is huge. That's it, it, it's terrifying when you think about those numbers. So, so Amazon is almost as big as the Teamsters. Yeah. Which, you know, when you they're in they're one company, and yep. you know we're a union that represents workers across industries. Yeah, so Amazon's at 1.3 million worldwide. Um, the Teamsters are at about 1.4 million yeah. worldwide, right. and then Am- uh, Walmart rather is at 1.6 million worldwide. Yeah. Crazy, and we've been sitting there at 1.4 million for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a long right. time. For a while. So um, you know, I think I don't know what that says about our organizing efforts, uh, if if they're good or bad, but I think. Um, quite frankly, I think the Teamsters organizing effort uh, leaves a lot to be desired. I think we have to improve on it. I think we need to become more militant. Yeah, um, I agree. If people out there see what unions are accomplishing, because let's be honest, over over the last couple of decades, I think, 
when unions make the news, they're making the news because of concessions that they're given. Yeah. They're, they're given concessions yeah. to, to their employers. I think the concessions need to stop. Yeah. I, I mean, too. I think corporate America has enough money. It's now time to share it with the working class. Yeah. yeah. What people have to remember when they go to work is you're trading part of your time on earth, which exactly. is limited for money. Exactly. Yeah. And how much money they're willing to give you determines yeah. how much of that time you're going to have to give. So it, it, it drives me nuts. And I hear this every now and then. It, and Jason made a really good point that we're only allotted so much time in this life. And sometimes you hear, oh, well, oh, sometimes we get, I think we're paid too much. No, we're never paid too much. Hmm. You want as much money for your time as you possibly can get. And frankly, that's what everybody wants, yeah. right? Y you can say, oh, that's not fair, um, but that's what everybody wants. Yeah. Our, employer, our employers are bigger than we are. Yeah. Always. I don't care if you're working, if you're one of five people working for a mom and pop, or if you're one of 5,000 people yeah. working for a global industry, you, you are smaller than your employer. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, um, they by and large can afford to, yeah. to give you a living wage and they should be passing their success onto their workers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, some companies get it. Yeah. Right. Some there do. are those companies out there that get it. I love to talk about WeatherTech. Um, WeatherTech is one of those companies, right? Uh, WeatherTech. This is a company. They're they're that company that makes those awesome uh, floor liners for your car. This is a company that was doing the same exact thing as every other company out there. They were in China making everything in China. The CEO was making lots of money, um, and for some reason, he had an epiphany that he was he was failing his nation essentially he was failing america um in in his ability to provide good jobs for workers out there he actually had that epiphany which is pretty rare in, in this day and age but he closed his factories in china he built factories in the united states he buys nothing but american-made equipment to fill those Beautiful. factories and he, and he employs people at a good wage. He actually has um, a rule in his company, and I, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know what the specific numbers are, but he can only make a certain amount more than the lowest paid employee in his factories. So he's put that on himself because he feels an obligation to provide jobs for workers. And that company is really a, a throwback because in the 70s, workers, a, a CEO was only making about 50 times their average worker, and now it's like 300, 400. I don't even know. Amazon's probably a thousand times the average Oh my God. Worker. There's numbers yep. out there. Jason, our stack guy, if you can find those, so, there's, there are numbers there. If you just Google Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's right? making $142,000 per minute. $142,000 a minute. So you can imagine what a 10 minute bathroom break every day does. So that's like working yeah. at, that could be like right. working at Sikorsky and doing a lot of overtime. This in guy's year. making it in a year, and this guy's making in one minute. One yeah, but you go minute. pee in your bottle, for him, please. For him to go play. Right, but you have to go pee in a bottle. For him to go play with his toys in space. Yep. yep. So, so, so for me, that's what makes WeatherTech 
kind of the um, the the beacon in all of this, right? This is the they're the example that U.S. employers should be following. Just make that one of your priorities. It doesn't have to be the number one priority for a company. We know when you start a company, whoever you are, you're doing it to make money, right? You're doing it to make a living for yourself. So fine, make a living for yourself. Provide excellent services to whoever your customer is. But make one of your company's priorities, one of the maybe, let's say, top five. Make one of those priorities providing good jobs for yes. people, right? That's all. Just make it a priority to, to provide decent jobs for working people. Another example is this CEO of this company, Gravity Payments. His name is Dan Price. And he came to the conclusion that he would take a pay cut and make his minimum wage for all his workers $70,000 a year and give them great benefits and time off. And he's found that the productivity and the happiness in his workplace has gone through the roof. And I think he is somebody who gets it as well. Yeah, because a happy workforce is a productive workforce. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's, those aren't just words. It's the truth. Um, and, and I think if companies, more companies realize that, we'd be in great shape. But when is enough enough? I think that's, that's the big question, right? Yeah. For companies like Amazon, that's the big question we have to ask. When is enough enough, yeah. right? Is $142,000 a minute enough? Is that enough? I think that's beyond enough. Yeah. Um, I would work, literally, I would work a, a half hour and retire. Same here. Right? Maybe not even Which a half hour. Which would be awesome. Right? Right? That would yeah. be more money than we'd ever need. Just work a half hour. I mean, somebody that makes money like Jeff Bezos, it's like, why? Like, even you work one year, then just retire and travel or just do whatever yeah. you want. Go to space. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go to, go to space for like two seconds. So, listen, um, we should probably wrap it up. We've been doing this for close to an hour now. So, that brings us to this week's contest. Uh, it's a question, and we're going to keep it Amazon-related. So, Vinny, what's the what's today's contest? Specifically, what is the first item Amazon ever sold and when? What's the first item Amazon ever sold, and when did it happen? So that's it. That's the question. Answer the question. Send us an email at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Give us the correct answer. We'll put your name in a hat. We'll pick out a winner, and you're going to get some stuff. All right? Again, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. Um, we appreciate you guys downloading. Our stack guy, uh, Jason Shoemaker, is with us as well, and he's stat probably going to be with us. He's stat man. He's probably going to be with us um, every episode because I think this is a good dynamic. I think so, too. But um, what are we going to talk about next time? We're going to be talking to our principal officer, Rocco Kahlo, about contract negotiations coming up. So that's one to for sure download. Really, that's when I talk about this podcast with members, that's what they want to hear. Yeah. Right. Everyone's talking about 
what's going on with the new contract. The older folks want to know, is there going to be a package? The younger folks want to know, what are you going to do for the tier two people? So we're going to answer all those questions. We're going to talk to Rocco for as long as it takes. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to ask all those questions for you. And you can just download the podcast and hear all the answers. So we appreciate you downloading us. We appreciate you listening. And um, we'll see you next time. Thank you.